0: Hey, on today's show, we're going to talk about some adult things. We're going to talk about trauma and intimacy, so watch out for the little ears in the room. We're going to be talking about how to get your marriage back after you've had a baby. We're going to walk with a mom through a deep, deep trauma and how she can heal. And we're going to talk about the difference between hustling and being addicted to work. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up, what's up? I'm John, and this is the Dr. John Deloney Show, a live show where we walk and talk alongside you about your life, about what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your world, in your neighborhood, all of it. And we're trying to figure out how to do life together. We're trying to figure out how to be human beings again. We talk about everything on the show, anything, all of it. So no matter what's going on in your heart, in your mind, or your family, listen, you're not by yourself. There are other people who are just like you who are going through it too. We're going to talk about love, heartbreak, parenting challenges, emotional and mental health. And we might talk about how much I hate autocorrect. Can we all just agree that whoever wins the presidential election, by the time this comes out, we we probably still won't have a president by then. We might, I don't know, drama. Some of you just were driving down the road just when I said that, and you're like, Yes, we do. Okay, good. We got one. Whoever it is, let's make the first order of business. No more autocorrect. The other day, I texted my wife, and I quote, How is your day? Send. And it autocorrected to, How is your fat? How is your fat? She wasn't having a great day, and I knew that, which is why I made it a point to text, I'll ask her how she was doing. And particularly, she wasn't having a great uh, image-conscious day, and that was the day that freaking autocorrect decided to send her, and I quote, how is your fat? So let's just all agree we're done with it. We're done with it. So we're going to talk about all of it on the show. So whatever's going on, let's do it. Give me a call at 1-844-693-3291. That's one 1-844- 844 693-3291 or you can email me at askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. all right let's do it let's go straight to the phones today let's go to Brittany in philadelphia Brittany, what is up
1: hi how are you
0: i'm doing good how are you guys
1: good um so i was just calling because we had a baby eight months ago
0: congratulations oh, thanks boy or girl um, boy or girl 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 what's her name Reagan. Oh, beautiful. I love it. I love it. Okay. Go ahead.
1: Um, and we have had a hard time like being parents aside from, or sorry, being a couple aside from parents. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I had pretty significant postpartum anxiety and he has like virtually no anxiety (laughs) and has never dealt with anyone with anxiety before. So that definitely took a toll. Mm. Um, and yeah
0: so when you say we're having trouble as a, a couple, right, or we're trying to get our relationship back on track, mm-hmm. tell me what that that awkwardness, explain to me, like, give me a situation, that awkwardness, that weirdness, and, hey, listen, I've been there, and so I know, <laughs> man, it's the <laughs> worst. Um, walk me through, give me a scenario.
1: Um, I guess a good example um, would be, like, you know, by the time she goes to bed, we're kind of just both, like, okay, time to just like hang out on the couch, watch TV, and like not talk to each other. Yes. <laughs> and just like chill and not really do anything. Um, so tell me about this. my anxiety. Oh,
0: go yeah. ahead. Tell me about your anxiety. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My anxiety caused us a whole lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> because... What does that mean? What does that mean? So I, I guess a little more backstory. Um, my, I've had a lot of like loss in my life. So my dad passed away suddenly a few years ago from cancer. My mom was diagnosed when I was pregnant with cancer. Um, and so when I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I'm going to do anything that I can to keep this baby healthy, including breastfeed. And then I couldn't breastfeed. So mm. I, that like took a toll on me every day. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to do everything to like do what I can control what I can. So if I like bought a box of diapers and the next day I saw like a more organic brand, I'd be like, Oh, we got to go buy this. Even if it means putting it on a credit card, Mm. Which was totally unreasonable, and we've my anxiety is much better now because I got help for it. But it's just definitely caused debt and stress, and he didn't know how to deal with it. And so, yeah. So,
0: how has he contributed or tried to help?
1: Um, you don't need to do that. Everything's okay. Kind of like like you would explain a fixer. <laughs>
0: gotcha. Just, just he trying. tries to give you some some. Good information to where one day you'll be like, yeah, but, oh, you're right. I shouldn't be anxious. Yeah. Thanks, man. I hadn't thought of that. Okay.
1: Yeah. But then a lot of the times it would end up, he'd like get frustrated and just be like, fine, just go buy it. Sure. And then, yeah.
0: <laughs> so who who do you have in your, in your sphere that when things start spinning out, when you get frustrated or your heart starts racing or you wake up with those just brutal, intrusive thoughts, who... Who do you go to? Who do you call? Mm. Who do you text? Who do you go see?
1: Um, sometimes my mom.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but usually I kind of just keep to myself. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, yeah. I want to change some of your language a little bit and then work on a game plan. Is that cool? Mhm. So, I want to reorient this idea that anxiety caused your xyz anxiety caused your um like when you just get spinning out about diapers and they got to be super organic and then there's the super super organic brand and the whatever and then you look it up on the internet and it's like if you put these on your baby forever their mitochondria won't grow and whatever the the caustic thing is right um that's less anxiety that's more expectations. That's more exhaustion. That's more your body recalibrating chemicals and hormones. That's more loneliness. Anxiety is the heart rate, the intrusive thoughts, the can't stop, the waking up in the middle of the night. All that's doing is letting you know that you don't have these other things. And mm-hmm. so, what I like to do is take anxiety when you feel it and just go, okay, what am I, what am I, what is my body trying to tell me? Right? Is it trying to tell me that I haven't processed dad's loss, just his sudden passing, and suddenly dad and mom, everything can be moving along, and suddenly dad and mom can just go away? And, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, and I control very, very little, and so I'm going to reach double down and control every little thing, right? So I want to look at what the alarms are telling me, not blame and focus on those things, okay? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. so whenever you feel that panic, I want you to stop what you're doing before you go buy something, before you go to another internet article. And if you're like me, when I was spinning out all the time, when I was just highly, highly anxious, mm-hmm. it, I would walk by and... A, a, an aisle and we'll just use your diaper example I'd be walking by an aisle and I would just have a box of diapers in my thing and I would see the word organic and I would stop and turn and be like what about these and then I would sit there and I'd scroll on my phone and I'd google it and I'd find another one or another one and yeah then I'd, I'd get out of control instead of doing that instead of getting more information I want you to go to part two about what we're going to do here okay mm-hmm. so all of the things you're experiencing I want you to know are super normal you're not crazy Okay. (laughs) Okay. And there's nothing worse, and I haven't been one, so I'm speaking from folks I've met with, not personal experience, but I can't fathom anything worse than being a new mom sitting down with a six-month-old or a seven-month-old in the middle of a pandemic with a husband who desperately loves me but doesn't know how to connect and feeling like this is all on me. Oh, and by the way, mom's Mm -hmm. got cancer, right? And that's a harrowing, scary, lonely feeling. And so what you've got to do is decide, do I want to live in that or not? And I'm guessing since you called, you don't want to. So here's where you're going to have to get highly, highly intentional. Okay. And hey, by the way, that question I just asked sounds like I'm being a smart aleck. I'm not. There are some folks that want, they don't want to feel bad, but they don't want to give up that control that this is all on me. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't want to forgive themselves for not being able to breastfeed. They don't want to forgive themselves for uh, my kid is crying in the middle of the night and I looked it up online and he's supposed to already be sleeping and he's not. And so I've got the one crazy kid and he's probably got a bit right. They don't want okay. to give that up. And that's fine. They're going to they're going to l- reap what they sow there. They're going to they're mm-hmm. choosing a life of spinning out and confusion and frustration. And I'm not minimizing postpartum. That is real. And that is evil. Um, But there is some things you can do that will surround yourself with people to make sure you're meeting with your doctor, et cetera. So in terms of your relationship, right when you said it, I was I just smiled. Okay, (laughs) you have to decide you and your husband have to decide that the couch and TV is not an option. Mm -hmm. You've got to take that off the table. And what that means is you're going to have to relearn, and I'm not saying this in a silly way. I'm saying this in a totally honest, truthful, moving forward way. I've had to do it myself a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to relearn how to like him, and he's going to have to relearn how to like and love you. And he's going to – y'all are going to have to relearn how to um, find rest in each other Mm -hmm. and not in the couch and vegging out. And that means he's going to have – you're going to have to be uncomfortable about your body. And he's going to have to be uncomfortable about your discomfort. And he's going to have to be uncomfortable about his body because I know he's put on 30 pounds during this deal. And you are going to have, right? It's going to have to be this coming, relearning how to love each other again and mm-hmm. relearning how to like each other again. And so yeah. you have to be super highly, highly intentional. And that mm-hmm. might mean all you want to do in the world is turn the TV on and veg out. I want you to turn it off and I want you to say, hey, will you just hug me for a little while? I just want to lay on you on the couch and I want you just to hug me and (laughs) something like read to me or I'll read a book and you read a book or something ridiculous like that. Um, But I want you to focus on each other. I also want you to make plans for intimacy and connection. And this is something that trips up a lot of couples, especially after their first kid, is when you have no kids – You, it's just free-for-all, dude, right? You get home, you're like, (laughs) let's just hook up now. It's 5 o'clock. Who cares? It's before dinner. It's after dinner. It's Saturday morning. It's Sunday afternoon. It doesn't matter when. And then suddenly this baby comes and robs you of your self-esteem. It robs you of all of your energy, all of your money, and then you just want to sit on the couch and let Netflix take your soul from you. (laughs) And so you guys are going to have to rebuild a new relationship In this new era. And what that might mean for a season is putting sex on the calendar. It's Mm going to be, Hey, Tuesday night, is sexy night, Tuesday night and Friday nights. These are sexy nights and you can get one pass a month or something, right? Like, Hey, it's that's a good thing to mention is there's been
1: literally zero of that. (laughs) That's
0: right. That's right. And it's, Hey, you're not, it's not uncommon, right? Everybody's exhausted. Everybody's hormones all over the place. Everybody looks differently than they did a year and a half ago. And it just becomes this weird thing, and he doesn't know how to approach you, and then you feel awkward on how to approach him. That's super normal. But you got to decide we're going to put this on the calendar, and we're going to figure out how to make this happen and um, lean into that. And my hope is if you go into it with a spirit of adventure and a spirit of not that we're doing something wrong, but that we're building something totally new, kind of like y'all are just dating again. And you would mm-hmm. waste a whole movie just trying to hold his hand or hoping he would just brush his fingers up by yours. You know what I mean? You're back mm-hmm. to that now. And so okay. enjoy it in an exciting, fun way, not a, oh, my gosh, we have to do all this over again. Because you're going to find mm-hmm. different things about yourself. You're going to find different things about him. And the cool thing is you're going to have to actually talk about it for the first time in a long time. My, yeah. hope, my hope is this. Being highly intentional about connection, then that desire will return. And then you're going to have to be – the. this is the final thing. Be really intentional about getting sleep, about setting boundaries with your kid, about exercising, about going outside even when it's cold, and doing some of those things that make you a human again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Postpartum robs you of yourself and struggling – loving somebody who's struggling with postpartum robs him of his – what he felt like his control and power and gift in your relationship was, was knowing the answers, mm-hmm. it steals that from him too. So, y'all just supposed to sit there at a loss, right? Um, yeah.
1: And I guess a lot of my guilt is like 100% of the debt is from me and like my like rebuying, wanting to get the best of everything. And like, he has always been like super good with money. So now we're like in this hole and it's like, oh, sorry, that was all me. <laughs> and, well,
0: and so here it is. Then you sit down and you say, I, I, I'm sorry. I own this debt, and I'm going to say when you're in a a married relationship, um, don't change the pronouns, right? At any point, he could have said, hey, you're struggling right now. I want to intervene, and he didn't. So everybody owns everything. You deciding to take all that on and then wear all that guilt is just going to crush the relationship, and it's going to make you a little less likely to initiate intimacy or connection. It's going to make him feel like, well, here we go again, right? So I would set up some time and say, here's what we're going to do. Starting this week, we're going to put mm-hmm. sex on the calendar. We're going to intentionally turn the TV off. We're just gonna, even if we have just stare at each other, it's going to be awkward and weird. We're just going to yeah. hold hands and make out again. we got to figure out how to do this again, and we're going to mm-hmm. enjoy it. We're going to be open and say, I actually didn't like that, or I did love this, or, or, or. And you're going to say, hey, I spent a lot of crazy money. Here's the big secret. Your kid has no idea what the best of anything is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't. They have mm-hmm. no idea. Um, they can use a seventh removed blanket from Goodwill. Just throw it in the washer and your kid will be fine, right? And so <laughs> yeah. you can say, hey, honey, I want you to help hold me accountable. I'm going to give you my debit card for the foreseeable future because while I'm learning to not be anxious anymore, um, I can't control mm-hmm. my spending. I had to do that with my wife, by the way, Brittany. I did that. I gave my wife my debit card mm-hmm. when my son was born because I was out of, out of my mind. And so yeah, we, and, we
1: actually did that. He does all the money now.
0: <laughs> well, I, but I, I see and what happens is you get these little seeds of separation. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's going to you're going to wake up and it's going to be two years and you're going to have sex five times in those two years. You're and, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not being gratuitous. I'm just telling you that's what's going to happen. He's going to do yeah. all the money. You're going to be totally separate from it. Then you're gonna start thinking things like, I do everything around here. I can buy whatever I want. And that's when you go get your secret credit card or you go to the bank and get your own debit card again, right? And so it just creates mm-hmm. this gap. And what I want yeah. you guys to do is to be super, highly, highly, overly intentional about reconnecting that gap right now, right? Bringing it back together and um, having some very direct conversations. Sorry about the debt. That's on both of us, I'll own it we got to be done with that starting now. Here's the credit card. But I still want to do the budget with you every week. I've got to be connected there. We're going to put sex on the calendar. We're going to be open and talk about sex. What do we like? What do we not like? What's this new season, this new world we're building? We're going to not. We're going to get board games. We're going to get silly games. We're going to do things together besides just hitting the couch. And my guess is after a week, after two weeks of reconnecting, the time spent in front of the, the TV is going to be smaller and smaller and smaller because you're going to realize you like that guy and he's going to remember that he likes you. And expect it to be awkward. Expect it to be weird and uncomfortable. That's good stuff. It's part of, of relearning how to love each other after bringing another human into your home. So, Brittany, you're not crazy. You're right where you need to be. Um, final, final thing. You got to get some friends. You have to get some friends that's not your mom You've got to get some friends that's not your husband. Some folks you can call when you're having a low day, when you're having a, is this normal day? This feels weird day. My kid's not doing X, Y, or Z, and I don't know what to do day. Be intentional. Be intentional. Call old friends from college if you have to. Call friends from your local community group or your church if you have to. I don't care. you got to, got to, got to have friends. Okay? you got to connect with people. And then, of course, I'm telling you this, Brittany, I'm telling anybody struggling for postpartum, if you have intrusive thoughts that get real dark – And those of you who have have been through that know what I'm talking about. You got to reach out and call somebody. You got to call for help. You got to call a counselor. You got to call your OBGYN, call your doctor. Um, But do not sit at home by yourself in the dark wondering what you're doing as a mother. You have a role as a mom, you're the greatest gift on planet Earth. Um, And I want you to honor and love yourself. So, Brittany, you are the best. Thank you for the call. I'm so excited for the beautiful little Reagan. She's going to have two awesome parents. I want you to call me back, if you will, after you have this first call. I mean, this first meeting with your husband. After you sit down and say, All right, we're rebuilding. I love you. You love me. That sounded like the Barney song a little bit. That got weird, but um, you love each other. We're going to rebuild this thing. I want you to call me back and let me know how that conversation goes. I'm looking forward to it. Um, All right, let's go to Lauren in Salt Lake City. Lauren, how are we doing this morning?
2: Oh, I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for taking my call and sharing your insight. Thank,
0: Thank you for that. calling. It's it's <clears throat> it's super early there, huh?
1: It's pretty early, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: thanks for waking up with us this morning.
1: Yeah. So yeah. how can I help, Lauren?
2: So uh, last fall, we had uh, two hard things happen um, in sequence. And um, one of the things is um, last fall I was picking up my 10 year old son from football practice as we were pulling out of the parking lot, accidentally ran over another little boy Mm -hmm. um, with my car and it was terrible. (laughs) And,
0: um, hold on, take a breath, take a breath, take a breath.
2: Okay. (laughs) You're good. Anyway, so I find myself struggling, um, with anxiety from that. Um, Here we are in uh, football season again, and you know I'm finding myself not wanting to, you know, pick him up from practice (laughs) again. Yeah, of Um, course. And you know, even go to his games or anything. And um, so I'm just oh, and the little boy is okay. He's he's all right um, now. So um, uh, to (laughs) throw that in there, but. Um, So take a breath, and and I'm going to
0: recap while you're taking a breath, okay? So last year during your little boy's football practice, um, you are leaving practice, and you accidentally ran over um, another little boy in the parking lot. And Mm -hmm. um, when people think of that, and again, I'm I'm not going to be overly gratuitous, but I've been in these trauma situations, and I want people to understand what happens in your heart and mind here. Um, My guess is there were... Yells and sounds and things that you saw that people are not supposed to hear and see. Is that right?
2: Uh, yeah. Okay. Definitely and not the, good. Visuals.
0: Yeah, there on? you go. And those things replay themselves over and over and over. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, that um, the boy's okay. Right. He recovers. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. He's running around totally. like a normal oh. little boy now.
2: He is. It was, okay miracle really yeah he's totally fine and
0: um, the family how do they hold you responsible do you still connect with them what's that relationship like
2: um no no Um, there um i i forced myself to uh, you know go see, see them afterwards mm-hmm. um just so i could see him normal okay. <laughs> you know like sure. um not in that state and sure. um you know to tell her you know i you know, just give her flowers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she was nice, you know, of course in the moment that was not good, but, um, sure. uh, afterwards, you know, she, she was very nice and, um, yeah. Well, I'm, pr- I, I I'm proud of them, you for doing that. So. That's a
0: hard thing to do. And, um, it's a, it's, that was an act that will serve you years to come. Seeing him with your own two eyes running around, seeing that family again. Yeah. Um, um, that's going to pay dividends yeah. years down the road. And so now it's football season again, and you don't yeah. want to <laughs> even go near that place. You don't want to be around <laughs> that place. And you said there was two things going on. What's the second thing?
2: Oh, well, the second thing is like the day after that happened, I was, you know, obviously having a hard time and um, stuff. And my husband husband's son, had, um, his mom had passed away um, une- unexpectedly. And so...
0: Jeez. Okay, hold on a second. That was... You just... <laughs> You passed that along <laughs> dis- dismissively. You're like, oh, and by the way, um, I went and got burritos at the local gas station. Like, no, that's a big, big uh, family trauma, right?
2: It was, yes, yes, um, hmm. it was. And, and so my know, guess he, is
0: you didn't get to grieve at all. You turned into taking care of him, taking yeah. care of everybody around. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly hmm. right. He you know, he looked at me and he just said, I, I need you right now. Yeah. I just, you know. I knew that he did, you know, at that point we knew the little boy was going to be okay, mm-hmm. and I just was like, okay, you know, yeah. so I just really pushed everything down and didn't really, I don't know, I think I just ran away from it, and so... Well, you, you ran away like in the name of
0: duty, off. right? Um, yeah, right. So if you, think, if you think if you think of your feelings, you took yours with two hands and you compressed them, and another word for compress is to depress, right? You yeah. depressed them down... So that you could take care of your husband and your husband's family and probably your kids and um, because they lost their their grandma. And you did a noble thing and a hard thing. In counseling, we call it leakage, which is if you don't deal with past trauma, they will eventually make their way out, usually at a real inopportune time. They don't ever go away, right? And lucky for you, and I'm saying this on purpose, lucky for you, they're coming out a year later. And they're coming out in a situation Uh that I think that you could, you're going to be able to rally your heart and mind around and heal from. Okay. Yeah. Um, So tell me about uh, the intrusive thoughts. What pops into your head when you're driving down the street, when you pull into a grocery store parking lot? Tell me about that.
2: (laughs) Uh, Just, I think just, I don't know, like, if I feel a bump, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, under the car or something,
0: your whole body (laughs) just floods, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just, you know, heart rate, Mm -hmm. just uh, sometimes I feel like, oh, this is a little dangerous, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I just, I do feel like I kind of these anxiety attacks. um, And, and, you know, eventually they kind of fade and I'm okay. But, you know, I just, I feel like it, I don't want to go to that parking lot again. And, you know, I feel like I'm not supporting, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like
0: I'm not. So l- let me, one last question I've got for you as I'm kind of wrapping up what we can do here, wrapping my head around what yeah. what I can recommend for you. Do you yeah. still wake up? And I'm saying still because I 100% know I've met with a thousand people in your situation. Uh, that's probably an over overstatement. But um, do you still wake up in the middle of the night? Um, or has that gone away?
2: Not, not some, t- not waking up as much. Um, you know, oh, when you wake up, me. is your
0: heart racing already, or are you uh, are you able to wake up and are you able to sleep a full night?
2: I'm I, yeah. I'm I'm sleeping sleeping okay. Oh,
0: that's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Good. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's um. Here's a couple of things. Some of this you've probably heard me do on the radio before, and, but I want to do it with you, and then I'm going to give you kind of a game plan and a roadmap. Is that cool? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Here's the first thing. You have to decide, and only you can decide this, okay? You have to decide that this is not going to be your identity and that you don't want to keep wrestling with this. And until you decide that, your brain is going to continue to try to take care of you and everyone around you by sounding every alarm it has every time it gets in a situation that it remembers is dangerous. And often people in your situation sentence themselves to a life in prison for an accident.
2: Yeah.
0: And until you pardon yourself... Until you say, all right, I have, I have beat myself up for a year, and I'm ready for this not to be my identity. I'm ready to not be the lady who ran over the little boy. I'm ready to be the awesome mom who loves my kid, the awesome wife who loves my husband, the awesome community member who has ups and downs in her life like everybody else. And when you're ready for that to be your identity, not the worst thing that's happened to you that you did, And let me be honest, if you are texting and emailing and trying to eat fast food in your lap at the same time, I don't care. What happened happened, and now we're a year later. And so I want you to decide that you're going to let yourself out of jail. Okay?
2: Mm.
0: Because by not letting yourself out of jail, you are making sure that you will never heal, the people who love you will never heal, and the people around you will never heal. So I yeah. want you to say, I forgive me, and now we're going to be about healing, okay? I want yeah. you to close your eyes. Right, We're here on the phone, and anyone listening to this podcast, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture, I don't know, um, a monkey on a motorcycle, Okay. Just a monkey on a motorcycle. And I want it to have like a yellow hat, Curious George style. And I want you to, um, the, I don't know, I want the, the, the motorcycle to have like a little side cart on it, right? You got that in your mind? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So open your eyes. You have just proven okay. to me and to all of the people listening to this, and there's a lot of people listening, that you can, when you decide to, you can control your thoughts. And so what you're going to have to do is this. You're going to have to retrain your brain to not focus on those moments. And it's going to sound something like this. You're going to be driving along and you're going to hit a pothole. And your body is going to remember your amygdala. Your brain is going to remember, oh, I remember what that means. And it's going to flood you. It's going to make it when your stomach's all warm and your heart starts racing. That cortisol and adrenaline is going to dump into your body. Your hands are going to get sweaty, and you're going to remember that little boy's foot. You're going to remember something unique about that situation, and I want you in that moment to go, nope, (sighs) right? And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember him at his house playing after he was okay. You get to choose which one of those thoughts you dwell on, and your brain has a vested interest in you dwelling on the bad stuff because it doesn't want that to happen again. And it's not going to happen again because you're going to be a safe driver. You're going to recognize that was a one in a trillion accident that kids shoot out from behind people in parking lots all the time in ball field field parking lots and that you're going to choose to think of something positive about him. And my promise to you is over time, you will readjust that default setting in your brain, okay? It will recognize, oh, it doesn't need me to protect myself from that anymore, The second thing is I want you to go to that parking lot with a friend that you trust when there's nobody there on a Sunday afternoon, on a Monday morning. And I want you to practice driving in and parking and backing Uh. up and parking. (laughs) But listen, in the nerd world, they call it exposure therapy, right? I don't think you need a therapist Mm -hmm. to do this. I think you need to get a friend with you. You got to have somebody. And probably not your husband because he's going to try to teach you what you're doing wrong. (laughs) You need a friend just to be with (laughs) you, right? And I want you to go there and back up and pull in. And then I want you to back up and pull in. And if you need to get out of the car and take a walk, great. You're going to have a friend with you. If you need to yell and scream and cry and swear and do all the things, great. You have a friend with you. If you all need to jam on some old Motley Crue records, whatever you all have to do in that moment, but I want you to practice, mm-hmm. and I want you to do this a couple of times. And then when you feel comfortable – you're never, uh, comfortable is not a good word. When you feel safe, not comfortable because it's going to be uncomfortable for a while, I want you to drive your son to practice and park as far away from possible at the very, very back of a parking lot, okay? And you mm-hmm. are going to slowly ease your way back into this. And when you do, you're going to constantly be monitoring your thoughts for truth, right? Okay. I want when you have those feelings that you're a bad driver, you're a terrible person, what kind of idiot neighbor or mom would fill in the blank, I want you to demand evidence from those feelings because they lie to you. Okay? Okay. They lie to you. And so in review, I want you to decide, and this this is on your timetable, but my guess is your husband loves you, your kids love you, and they're ready to have their mom back. And my guess is that you're ready to have you back. You decide that this is not going to be your identity. You are not the worst thing that you've ever done. You're not, and that you want to heal. You're going to let yourself out of the prison that you've placed yourself, okay? Number two, okay. I want you to start practicing controlling those thoughts, and it's going to be a pain, and it's going to be hard, um, but and it's a daily thing, right? And then the number three, I want you to get a friend or two, make an event of it, and I want you to go when that parking lot is empty and practice driving in and backing up until you can do it to where your heart rate is just normal. And then the final thing is I want you to take your son to practice and park as far away from everybody as possible in the far corner of that parking lot, and you're going to slowly ease yourself back into this, okay? Very few people will be watching and staring at you, and you think they're all going to be remembering you as the lady that did XYZ. They're not. They're worried about their own drama, their own election nonsense, or their own COVID. What They're worried about that stuff, okay? Yeah. So when I tell you those four things, how does that hit you in your heart?
2: Um, <laughs> scary initially, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, scary. But um, that I, I think that would help just, you know, I can see how that would, would help to go there with nobody there and it's not so similar, you know, and <clears throat> try to kind of work through that and you know s- controlling my thoughts and not letting hey Lauren my thoughts get away from me
0: Lauren you've yeah. got to let you off the hook you are the last person to forgive you and today is that day okay So when we get off this call, I can hear it on you. I can hear it on you. When we get off this call, the first thing I want you to do is to go into your bedroom or go into a home office or go into your garage. And I want you to write yourself a letter that says, "Um, I forgive you. And I want you to address it to you. You got it? Okay. Yeah. You do, do not deserve to carry this around to you for the rest of your life. It happened. You've been forgiven. Yeah. You've got to forgive you.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay? Yeah. That's where healing starts. In this together?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yep.
0: So here's what yeah. I want you to do. After you go to the parking lot a few times, I want you to email me back. I want you to call me and let me know how that went. I want to know how, how your heart was racing how your friend was cheering you on or making fun of you if they're a friend like i have and laughing all i want you i want to know how that went but i know you can do it and for crying out loud lauren you've got to forgive you and everyone listening to this everybody is involved in accidents everyone does things that they wish they could have back they all make mistakes And we just live in this world where nobody forgives each other anymore, especially ourselves. And that's got to stop because you just live out of your pain. Then you live out of these bricks in your backpack that you're the only one putting them in there. So Lauren, set the backpack down. Write yourself a letter today that says, dear Lauren, this happened and I'm sorry. And I forgive you. You're a good mom. You're a good wife. You're going to heal from this. And the healing starts today with letting you off the hook. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that call. All right, let's go to Rebecca in Tampa, Florida. Rebecca, what is up?
3: Hi, Dr. John. Thank you for taking my call.
0: Thank you for calling. How are you?
3: Pretty good.
0: Excellent. Uh,
3: Excellent. Yeah, definitely have an interesting uh, question for you. All
0: right, bring it on. Let's do it.
3: Uh, So my husband and I are really at a crossroads with my in-laws and family. My niece, uh, who's a very young minor, recently gave birth to a baby with her boyfriend, who's also a minor.
0: How young minor?
3: Um, Fifteen.
0: Ooh, okay.
3: Yes. Uh, it's a very complicated and tough situation. Um, right now, the mother, my niece, is trying to decide what to do with the child. Um, what is... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. That's probably another call. Yeah, yeah, the crossroads is that um, there are a couple options on the table, and a few of them are very um, tough, um, maybe possibly even unsafe options for the baby. And my husband and I don't know how involved to get uh, to fight for you know, the best situation for the child. Um,
0: So if there is less than optimal situations or mm -hmm. things that you wouldn't do, Mm -hmm. that's one thing. If there's ever Mm -hmm. in any circumstance, in any neighborhood, in any home, in any family system, a situation where a kid is not safe, then my mm-hmm. expectation is that every adult in the neighborhood, in the family, walking down the street, every stranger, goes into that situation, kicking and screaming on behalf of that child. That's my that's mm-hmm. my two cents on that. So, give me an example of what you feel is uncomfortable or a little bit weird. You're being kind of vague. So, walk me through yeah. a couple of situations here. Okay.
3: Um, so the first option is that my sister-in-law has offered to adopt the baby. She still is at home um, with her parents and a couple other of her siblings that are in their mid to late 30s. Um, One of them struggles with substance abuse Mm -hmm. and um, is really, really deep in that. It's been many, many years Mm -hmm. and is not, Someone that I would consider safe around children or babies, especially. Okay. Um, he's known to be violent with animals, uh, never been, um, abusive towards a kid that we know of, but has also never lived with one. Sure. Um, so that's situation then,
0: number uh, one. Okay. So they, so that is, they're going to be, they're going to be, and I want to, I want to parse that out real quick. Mm-hmm. She might get adopted by her sister, right? Um, sister-in-law. sister-in-law, or her
2: my
0: sister. boyfriend's sister, right? No, so it's my niece's
3: aunt, my sister-in-law.
0: Uh, okay, okay, your sister-in-law. Okay, so she mm-hmm. might get adopted there into a house where there's a bunch of adults living there, which wouldn't mm-hmm. be how you would draw it up, but isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's lots of families that have lots of interesting... Um, intergenerational dynamics and people coming and going and that may not be how i draw it up but i'm not always have a problem with that particularly um um, there's lots of different ways that culturally that families live together and that's beautiful and it's okay for how they choose to do it it's not how i do it but it's how they do how they do it but then you added another thing which is there's somebody there that's an addict that's got violence Mm -hmm. history towards animals is not a safe guy and you are worried about a baby being put in that environment okay so that's number one what's the second one
3: yep Um, The second one is that at this young age, um, they're encouraging her to go out on her own and raise the child, Mm -hmm. um, which is scary for us because, um, I mean, her and her boyfriend, they they are both very young and they both come from broken homes and haven't had a great example of what it should look like to raise a child. Um, I, I
0: mean, that's a that's a that's a really tough road to hoe for a fifteen year old girl by herself, out on her own. Are y'all in a position to to take her in? What's your What's your solution to that challenge?
3: Um. Well, so we live very far away. Mm-hmm. Um. We have offered to adopt the baby.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. We would not. Um, at this time be interested in taking them in as a a unit, all f- uh, three of them, the right. boyfriend, the mother, and the baby. Um, but that is, I mean, that's as far as we've sort of been able to come up with, there's there doesn't really seem to be, I mean it's such a emotionally like intense, Situation.
0: What What do people say very, when you when you offered to you and your husband adopt, uh, offered to adopt the baby? What was the response?
3: Well, so it was communicated to my in laws, not to the mother directly, because it's only been a couple days since birth. She's mm-hmm. still recovering from a sure. uh, slightly traumatic birth, but um, response good from one, um, maybe not so much from the other, because mm-hmm. they don't want the baby to be far away.
0: Sure. So I fully support you adopting the baby if that's what y'all want to do. I fully support Mm -hmm. you guys having her and the baby move in because then at that point you're basically adopting a teenager and um, that little baby. So you're becoming a grandma, right, instead of an adoptive (laughs) mother. Um, Mm -hmm. I fully support you not having all three of them move in. I don't want two teenagers who are not married, living in my house, raising a kid, because then Mm -hmm. you got children raising a child, and it's going to get messy, 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 messy. And Mm -hmm. family members of his side are going to come out of the woodwork, right? And when they start to find out about this baby, and it's just going to be a mess. As far as you know of that baby possibly going to live in a situation where there's an addict, and there's safety concerns, there's violence in that home, there's adults coming and going, particularly drug trafficking coming and going. Dude, I'm going to go bang and yell and be loud with one caveat. If you and your husband mm-hmm. have had a hard conversation about, do we want to expand our family? And this is going to be that baby. Then you are, mm-hmm. have emotionally invested in that baby. And the temptation is to start looking at every other situation as less than what you would do. And less than what mm-hmm. you would give. And there comes a moment when you start imposing your values and your judgments on everything else because, quote-unquote, that's my baby now. And anything less than that baby coming to your house is a loss for you guys, right? And so if Mm -hmm. you all have gone through that hard conversation, less about we're going to rescue that baby and more we're going to expand our family. And those are two totally separate conversations, um, mm-hmm. cause one, you rescue the baby then you figure out what to do later. Like I'm getting that baby oh, yeah. out of a burning building right now. And then we're going to figure it out. Yeah. The other is no, I'm committing to the next for the rest of my life. I'm the baby's uh, mother. I'm going to adopt her and raise her as my own. And in conjunction yeah. with her 15 year old mother, um, you are making a decision to have a complex, enriched, beautiful, challenging life, which is honorable mm-hmm. and noble and extraordinary. But you have to temper that with other situations that might have to happen to that baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a difference between having an uncle that smokes weed and there's that's not that's against the law and dumb. And I don't like that around my kid. And then there's a difference between someone's violent and they are an addict and they are bringing hard drugs into this house. And they are does that make sense? You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. So it's
0: just tempering your heart and your plan for moving forward. And so I am a thousand percent on board. If the baby's going to go to an unsafe situation, go for it. If the baby is – if you all want to adopt this child, you all have to go and be very, very vocal and be very direct and probably get in a car and tell people that you're coming and you want to have a hard conversation about this baby and meet with the 15-year-old and the 15-year-old's mother. And the fifteen-year-old's father, if he's still in the picture, and because this is still a minor, right? And at the end of the day, sometimes you got to let the beginning part of this play out, knowing that we're going to pick this baby up in foster care because they're going to try a scenario one or scenario two, and it's not going to work, and the baby's going to be welcome to come live with us. Um, and it's a hard, messy family situation, but don't hesitate ever if you think that that baby is not safe, is not um, going to be okay that you don't reach out to the authorities right away. Get super involved. Get other people who know what they're doing super involved right away. But it's noble that you want to be a part of this this baby's life. A 15-year-old is still a child. A 15-year-old is still a child. And they need to be honored like a child, even though they're now thrust into adulthood. So have a hard conversation with the husband and go make your move. Um, I appreciate you, Rebecca. That's hard. It's really hard and I appreciate you guys wanting to be involved in it. Make sure you temper your desire for this baby, the desire to rescue this kid and to raise this kid with it may he may or she may end up in other situations. They're gonna look different, but it may not be terrible. But if they are terrible, call the Calgary. All right, let's go to one last call here. Let's go to James in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. What's up?
2: Hey Doctor Deloney, how are you doing this morning?
0: I'm doing good, my man. How can I help?
2: Uh just first off wanted to Tell you how much I'm loving the show so far. It's been a great addition to the Ramsey network.
0: Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, So I just had uh, more of a brief question uh, where I was wondering if you could provide some clarification.
0: You got it. What's up? Uh,
2: I was wondering at what point do you simply go from hustling to get ahead to becoming a workaholic, especially for those of us that are in baby step four and beyond. Mm -hmm. as well as if you are a workaholic and have stepped over that line, how do you break that addiction to work?
0: Hmm. Okay. So um, for those who don't know what baby steps are, I'm going to put it in the show notes here. Um, He's talking about Dave Ramsey's baby steps to get out of debt. And um, the first three steps are recognizing you got a problem and getting an emergency fund together and then running like crazy He calls it gazelle intense to get out of debt, pay things off. And then you want to get an emergency fund so that if things happen, not if, when things happen, you're going to borrow from yourself, not from a credit card. And you never have to be in debt. You never have to be a slave to somebody else, to some big company, to some department store ever again. So then when you get into baby step four, right, like James is talking about here, baby step four is um, starting to save for retirement. I'm going to pay my house completely off. I'm saving for my kid's college. And so uh, what we we find often, James, is that folks get gazelle intense, and they're hustling, right? You got a side job. You got two jobs. You got three jobs because you're doing everything you can to get this debt paid off as fast as possible. And then that hustle becomes a way of life. You get to where you start running everywhere, right? And at some point, that stress destroys your relationships and destroys you. Fair? Yep. Okay. So – I – here's how I delineate the two. Hustling is – has a goal to it. I'm going to try to pay this stuff off. I'm going to have a second and a third job so that I can get that emergency fund so that I can finally be safe. I'm going to f- picture a gazelle and I'm going to sprint through this land where there are lions until I can get on high ground where I can see all around me. And then I can stop for a second and rest and eat and rejoin my community, right? Right. A a workaholic is somebody who is making their identity by how busy they are. It's an addiction. It's the same addiction as alcohol, as food, as like sex and pornography. Addiction is addiction is addiction is addiction. And so the way I would tell you, James, that you know you have crossed the line between hustling and workaholic, that you are addicted to busyness is when you shift from working with a a partner, with an accountability person, with your spouse towards a common goal, we're going to live in a crazy season and pay all this junk off. My wife and I did that. We sold our house, moved into a residence hall. We paid off. I think it was 106 grand in in a year, year and a half. We went nuts. I was working three jobs. She was working one full-time job and we had a two-year-old and we had, we lived in a residence hall in a dorm. Um, we sucked it up for a, a crazy sprint, and then we couldn't keep living like that. If you find yourself addicted to work where you're avoiding relationships, where you're staying at work a, an hour or two later, and you're not going home, if when your wife or your kids go to bed, you're looking for another job, and another job, and another job, and James, I've been there, dude. Um, when you are, when you meet somebody and they say, hey um, – my name's Rick, what's your name? And you say, hey, I'm James, I'm, and you. the next thing you give is your job, you've got a problem. You are making your identity about what you do, not about who you are. And so when you make your identity about what you do, then the temptation is to be leaning on that all of the time. And I will tell you now, I'll tell everybody this over and over and over, especially men are... are socialized to have their value and their worth be on what they achieve, what they accomplish. Somebody uh, sent me an Instagram once that was like, you're wrong, Deloney. It's not human beings. It's human doings. They're only worth what they do. Bull crap. Bull crap on a stick in a box with a bow on it. It's ridiculous. You got value. And when you start using your work to numb feelings, to numb disconnection, to give you an excuse to not go home, to not go out and be with your friends if you're single. That's when you know you've got an addiction. If you can't go through a weekend without checking your email, if you can't take a vacation, if you haven't taken a vacation in three years, and four years, and that's just rolling up and up and up. If you're sick and you go going to work anyway, that's when you know. It's an awesome, awesome question, James. We get that a lot here, and I want folks to know who you are is not what you do. Who you are is not how busy you are. That's a crazy endless way of living your life that only creates graves and punishment for everybody. And um, good for you, brother. Thank you so much for the call, James. All right. As we wrap up today, today's song of the day is this. Pulling out my lyrics of the day on my paper. It's from one of my favorite bands of all time. They're not a well-known band, but they're incredible. And this particular record went wholly unnoticed it was when all the record laborers were consolidating and someone under and this record came out and then went away it's from the 2000 record jesus hits like the atom bomb by one of my favorite bands of all time trippin daisy the song is called sonic bloom and on election day i don't know when this is coming out but today people are heading to the polls to vote here's what i want to remind people they write Love gets inside of you It makes me invisible And I will continue to hang on Super love, a sonic bloom A total emotionless excuse I can't believe it happened to me The magic's in my heart Believe me, rushing through My electrical phase I found a place to hide when you're away Almost caught myself a breath I touched your hand and lost myself instead Swung my hands up through the air Northwest skies I love the way you shine I wanna be just as good. I wanna make it better. Love, it gets inside of you. Woohoo! Tripping Daisy! Let's go forward with love, good folks. This is the Dr. John Deloney Show.